Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today and spending time with me this afternoon. I'm looking forward to our time together. I had the book of Isaiah open earlier in the day in chapter 1, starting in verse 16. It says, Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. That's Isaiah chapter 1, 16 and 17. Good way to start the day. We've got a great show. Rob Louie is going to be joining me in just a minute. And then Dr. Greg Borgon will be coming in as well. And then hour two is going to be Jeff Verdorn. So that's what is ahead. I'm looking forward to today. And as always, Tuesdays, I get to start my day with Rob Louie, who's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Rob, welcome back and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Bill. It's great to be back with you. I'm not tired of saying Happy New Year. It's such a great greeting. Doesn't yes, offend anybody, best. does it? <laughs> right. It does. I don't, not that I've heard. Steps on uh, no toes. It's certainly, I think, a, a welcome change for a lot of people. 2020 was was a hard year in many respects. Yeah, well, we're off to a fast start this year already. There's lots of excitement already. And it's interesting, uh, some great articles at DailySignal.com. I always encourage my listeners to head to DailySignal.com. And let's talk about just some of the some of the realities of the pandemic. It did result in some unimaginable restrictions on individual liberty, and they did not fare well at the Supreme Court, did they? No, and and I think that uh, th- this is one that that almost probably all of your listeners can identify with in in one way or another. Um, the the restrictions have certainly uh, impacted my family. Uh, they've they've impacted my my children in in ways uh, in terms of the school closures. They've impacted my day to day work schedule and uh, and certainly how all of us get about and uh, and and see friends and family. We had mm-hmm. a different uh, holidays this year. And you're absolutely correct. Um, one of the big areas that uh, that they they've impacted uh, is is our religious faith, and um, and and churches I think have bore the brunt of of some of the the political leaders' um, angst. And the Supreme Court did have to step in. You're absolutely right about that. And uh, and and those restrictions that have been put in place on our religious faith, uh, the Supreme Court, in, in, in some cases, has decided are, are too too over over uh, they, they overreacted. Let me let me put it that way. And uh, and those restrictions, uh, you know, don't necessarily comply with the law. And I think that um, we have to n- observe the safety protocols. We we do, we <laughs> we understand the importance of keeping a, a physical distance from others uh, because of the, the way the virus can be spread. Uh, we understand the need to perhaps limit the number of people who would traditionally attend uh, these church services. But at the same time, when you have politicians who, who are making arbitrary decisions uh, about where uh, and, and when you can practice your faith, I think that that's when the American people said enough is enough. And they take these cases to, to the courts and the courts uh, and the highest court in the land in this case uh, decided that, uh, that they would restore religious freedom uh, to those uh, Americans who want to practice their faith. Mm-hmm. Rob, I want to chat a little bit about some books today. Uh, would you tell our, me and my listeners about Never Alone? 
Yes. Well, thank you. Uh, in fact, the Daily Signal compiled a list of uh, some some great books uh, that uh, that we encourage uh, your listeners to take a look at. There's 26 in in all, and uh, and Bill. Um, you know, I think that uh, what, what, what better way to start the year than <laughs> with a book list, um, right? So, uh, so, you know, you can find that complete list uh, at, uh, at DailySignal.com, including Never Alone. And I think in so many cases, it is a, uh, it's a situation where, um, you know, it, it, this particular book by uh, uh, Nathan Sharansky uh, uh, talks about um, uh you know, prison politics and and people. It's a it's a great guide for uh, those who want to learn more about human rights um, and uh, and counter uh, what we've seen a growing threat uh, throughout the world of of anti semitism. And anti semitism is uh, is is something that I think many of us thought was was something we dealt with in the last century and. Uh, and went away, but uh, but Bill, right here in America, we see a rising incidence of anti-Semitism, and uh, and Sharansky, um, this is this is something that he points out very clearly. So my colleague Jim Carafano uh, does a does a very thorough dive into into this book, and it's uh, it's really well done. It's uh, it's uh, talks about his personal experience um, as coming from, uh, as a Jew. He talks about uh, some of the challenges that that he's faced. Uh, throughout his life, and uh, and and also um, uh, some of the ways that we can all contribute to to living in a better society. So I think that uh, it's good, um, you know, good words of advice. And mm-hmm. uh, and and for those who <laughs> who who want to see, uh, particularly government, take more action on this, I think that there are some steps that he outlines as well. Uh, not all um, kind words uh, to our our current president or others in, in leadership roles. Uh, particularly, you know, in places where uh, we see we see abuses taking place, uh, China being one great example of uh, of, of where a, a situation which you know to many of us seems similar to what we saw from Hitler and Stalin uh, taking place today, mm. and why there isn't more attention being brought to what's the persecution of the the Uyghur Muslims is uh, is of concern, and it's one of the reasons why we've decided to make it an issue that we highlight on a regular basis and. Something that you and I've talked about in in previous shows, um, you shouldn't be persecuted for practicing your religious faith. So, so uh, kudos to uh, to Nathan Sharansky for for a great book. Again, it's called Never Alone. And uh, and it, Bill, I I, I you, you flustered me there for a moment because I, when you asked about books, we put a, together a great list of twenty six other books. This one wasn't even on the book. I know. I wanted to list. start. I wanted to start with the Never Alone book, and then I want to shift to some of the other twenty six books you sure, put on the list because sure. I've already gone through that list, and there's several I would like to get and read. So, it's been a great list. But uh, uh, I thought Nathan did an interesting job just letting the world know that we need to pay more attention to battling anti semitism. And um, boy, we've seen evidence of that all year. That's right. You, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. No. There's no. There's no doubt about it. And and you know while we're on the topic of books, you know I'll just mention we we decided um, that we would put together this list because there are so many different topics that that Heritage Foundation scholars are uh, focus on. And so we asked many of them to contribute their contributions. And on this list uh, of 26 you'll, books, you'll find everything from uh, classics from like. Frank Meyer talking about in defense of freedom and and uh, and the situation that we find ourselves in and the, the traditional American conservatism that we know so well uh, to other books. Um, uh, a severe mercy, like Roger. Sorry, sorry a Roger severe, Scruton. Yeah, 
uh, Severe Mercies on there. Severe Mercies Sheldon on Van Auken. there. Yep, yep. We have uh, we have some some fictional books. Uh, we have other books, the the Bible as it was by James Cuggle. So. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of different great options. And uh, and I think this is where we'd love to hear from your readers. Take a look at the list and make some suggestions in the comments. Absolutely. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, something that I think we can all share. And hopefully, um, you know, particularly in this virtual environment that we find ourselves in right now, Bill, I mean, uh, one of the things that, that I miss is having those small group discussions. And I, it's just not the same to do it virtually. Let's Let's face it. So hopefully we can get back to a situation in 2021 where we can have robust book clubs and we can have Bible studies, and we can have other groups that, that come together and uh, and have those uh, those those productive discussions. Rob, number six on this book list is the Coffee Lovers Diet: Change Your Coffee, Change Your Life by Dr. Bob Arnott. And I've already been to that uh, uh, book to start going through that. I probably will want to pick up that one for sure. Yes, as I am a big <laughs> coffee lover. I don't know if you are you a coffee lover. I'm not a coffee lover, okay. but my wife is. So. Okay, good. <laughs> Yes. Now, before we plunge into 2021, did you have a particular book from last year that you read that really got your attention? One that you put on the top of your list as one of the favorites you read, or am I putting you on the spot? Uh, well, um, you know, <laughs> you probably read so I, many. It's a hard question uh, when I'm asking you I, on the spot. I, no, you're not putting me on the spot. I the, one of the things that I enjoy most about being a father is is reading to my children, <laughs> okay. and we have a we have a nightly routine in, mm-hmm. in the Bluey household where the two older boys uh, are who are in third and sixth grade. Uh, we read together every night, and now that the third grader is old enough, I mean, we try to find books that you know are appropriate for both of them. <laughs> Obviously, that's a bit of a challenge with about a three year age gap, but um, but you know we are. Um, we, we've read some some incredible books, uh, and and we we just finished a book which um, uh, historical fiction book. It, it was called Making Bombs for Hitler, and it was about uh, set in the in the World War II period, and it was about a, a fictional character, but based on on a, on a real life situation, uh, a Ukrainian girl who was uh, taken by the Nazis, put in a, a prison camp. And, um, and and forced to work for a number of years, and eventually making bombs for Hitler, as the book title uh, suggests. And Bill, the story had um, particular impact on me because I found out not too long ago uh, my family, the Bluey family, is from Ukraine, and and not not actually too far from mm-hmm. the, some of the cities mentioned in this book. Uh, my 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 mother's side is is Polish, so we have you know really deep Eastern European roots. And uh, and we had a member of the Bluey family who uh, unfortunately um, uh, died during the Holocaust uh, and was was part of that. And just to read about the situation, what it was like under Nazi Germany, and then to have so many Ukrainians who were picked up then by the Soviet Union and Stalin and and sent to Siberia or, or killed because uh, because they, they they were not deemed worthy citizens. Um, just really, you know, struck a chord with me. So I, I'm only giving you the most recent book. We, we've read so many books this year. It, it changes, you know, every every you know few weeks when we're on to a to a new one with the kids. But we, but um, you know, I, I really encourage parents to spend that time with their children, and particularly if you can find a book where uh, where you're teaching them a little bit about history. I think it's really important to to, to bring those lessons to life. Yeah, so true. Rob Blue is my guest. We'll take a short break. When we come back, lots more with Rob Bluey, executive editor at The Daily Signal. Head over to dailysignal.com, dailysignal.com. Be right back.
So nice to have Rob Bluey on the show, executive editor at The Daily Signal, at thedailysignal.com. One of your colleagues, Catherine Gorka, wrote a great piece on history shows our passion for freedom runs deep. Yes, uh, Katie is Catherine. She's uh, fantastic. Uh, She's uh, a new addition to the Heritage Foundation in in 2020, and we were so grateful to to have her leadership at at the organization. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. The the title of that piece, um, you know, speaks very clearly to uh, to the story she tells and. You know, I think that we were just talking about history before the break, and she she takes us all the way back uh, to the 1600s and uh, and the the passengers of the the, the Mayflower and uh, and what they experienced when they came to America and some of the the situations that um, that have have endured uh, as a result of of what they experienced, and so. I think it's so important to to remember that. And and Bill, I think that one of the reasons that we're so passionate about reminding Americans of this is we see two things happening. Number one, we are increasingly finding a, ourselves in a situation where people want to rewrite history or or change um, change uh, the meaning of certain things. The mm-hmm. New York Times sixteen nineteen project is a great example of this, where they attempted to say the real founding of America didn't happen in 1776. It happened in 1619. Of course, they've walked back from that statement today, and they, uh, they, they've made several corrections to, to the factual errors that were in their, their, their history. And I think the second thing is, um, we're just not being, history is not as, as big of a focus, uh, or, or <laughs> you know, the, the, we, we just don't spend as much time uh, uh, on it. Uh, there's, we're, we're an entertainment, you know, driven society. And so, uh, you know, so much of, of what we do is, is focused on the here and now. And so, uh, so read Catherine's piece and learn a little bit about, uh, about you know, our history and, and why, um, you know, it was so important uh, for the traditions that we hold dear today. Mm-hmm. One of the things I appreciated about what's at the Daily Signal right now is a lovely story written by Virginia Allen about uh, good things that did happen in 2020. <laughs> and there's uh, uh, seven events that she chronicles that are, are some are beautiful and heartwarming and touching, and it's a, it's a good piece. She does. And, and you know, Virginia is somebody who, who co-hosts uh, the Daily Signal podcast with me every Monday. And one of the features that, that we have on the podcast uh, that we end the, each Monday show with is a good news segment. So mm-hmm. Virginia has plenty to pick from because we do it every Monday. But, uh, but these were, uh, were certainly some great examples. And the one that is, is my favorite, she put right up at the top. And uh, and that's the uh, the amazing uh, uh, father daughter uh, duo of Matt and Savannah Shaw. Uh, we were so moved by uh, their their singing and, and what they've been able to do um, really throughout this pandemic. They, they got their start uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. And we invited them to uh, to a Heritage Foundation uh, staff meeting uh, to perform and to, to talk to to our team about uh, about the what they're doing. And it just goes to show uh, that all of these ordinary individuals, um, uh, you know, they started out by just posting a, a really simple video on YouTube. And now <laughs> they are recording and producing uh, professional music and have their first album. It's just incredible to see what has happened. And it just goes to show that really anything is possible. Um, and, and if you put your, 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 your mind to it and, and, and you have a talent, uh, you can really have a dramatic impact. 
uh, on so many others. And uh, and that's those are the stories that Virginia likes to highlight. And and uh, and and for any of your listeners who have a great news stories that they want to tell us, I mean, I encourage them to get in touch with you. I know you love telling these stories. I love too, these it's stories. So, so important and uplifting. Yeah, I mean, something as simple as Matt and Savannah Shaw. It's February. They're at home. They're stuck in the obviously the pandemic. They sit down at their kitchen, their kitchen table and they they sang the prayer uh, together, and then they uploaded it, and boom! <laughs> I love stories like this. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, it is phenomenal. Uh, you know, there's um, th- there's some other stories on there uh, that that are a little bit more political in nature. Obviously, um, you know, there were. Um, so many small businesses that were hurt during mm-hmm. the, the riots that we saw play out in, in our country. And, and yet so many people who turned out to support them and, mm-hmm. and help lift them up when they found themselves in a, in a very dire situation. Uh, we highlight uh, Franklin Graham's efforts uh, for the, the Washington Prayer March uh, in September on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., uh, we we talk about some of the different ways that uh, that individuals across the country are helping uh, young people, particularly those who m- may be from low income communities or disadvantaged, uh, continue to to receive an education and mm-hmm. uh, and the tutoring that they need. And uh, and finally, a- another one that's that's really classic uh, is is this story of uh, a, a young man who um, who has Down syndrome who set a Guinness World Record. Uh, for uh, finishing the an Ironman triathlon uh, in Florida, and uh, he's a 21 year old named Chris Nickick, and uh, just an amazing feat that that he was able to do. So yes, there are good things happening, uh, Bill, and we need to remember those things. Uh, I think this is one of the reasons why so many people are down on the news media is mm-hmm. because you only hear about the bad things and uh, they have a tendency to focus on that. So if we can bring a little bit of that good news uh, through Faith Radio and the Daily Signal, I think that's our contribution. Right. But if you head over to DailySignal.com and look at this Chris Nickick story, make sure you have a Kleenex uh, handy. Um, it's beautiful. And at the time that uh, he was born, uh, he was basically told that he would never amount to anything or accomplish anything. Well, and, and it comes uh, at a time when the Atlantic magazine, uh, you know, just had this big cover story questioning whether or not there would, uh, the, the, you know, there would ever be um, individuals with Down syndrome, you know, still living on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was really remarkable and, and depressing. And there are some countries in Europe where uh, the testing is so readily available, where people choose a, a abortion. Um, and I, you know, Bill, as somebody who, uh, who who's passionately pro-life, I, I struggle uh, to grap, uh, grapple with some of this. I, I realize that um, there are individuals who, who disagree with me, but uh, this is a great example. Chris is a great example of of the accomplishments that somebody can make and the impact that they can have on others. And so I think we just need to to remember those stories and we need to highlight them as often as we can uh, for those parents who who may be uh, in a, in a situation where uh, they know that they're going to have a child with Down syndrome and to show that they can have a meaningful and uh, and really important life. Mm-hmm. Rob, what's your uh, your take on? A representative Cleaver from Missouri that who's an ordained pastor and used the phrase amen and a woman to end his prayer Sunday in Congress. 
Well, of course, the backstory here is this happened just as Democrats changed the rules in the House, uh, which the the majority party uh, has the ability to do at the start of a new session of Congress. And so they stripped all of the gender pronouns uh, or gender terms, I should say. So, for instance, uh, there there would be no more reference to to mother or father or brother or sister. Um, You would use more generic terms. And so. Uh, <laughs> Representative Cleaver, who I think was trying to be a little bit cute, um, you know, ended up offending a lot of people because he he ended his prayer saying a man and uh, a, a woman. And I, I think that it's rightly been mocked uh, by a lot of uh, individuals. Um, I, I think it was the, uh, the, the sorry, you know, the uh, Babylon Bee that mm-hmm. that said, um, you know, what are we going to now have mandates and woman dates? You know? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you can just take this to the extreme. And of course, for those of us, again, who, who know a little bit about uh, where the word came from, and of course, it had nothing to do with with men. You know, it's a Hebrew word uh, with a completely different, uh, you know, meaning and translation. And so, uh, I, I maybe it's something we should just brush off, but mm-hmm. I think in the context in which it happened, a lot of people said this is just getting carried away and political correctness run amok. Especially because he is a ordained pastor. Not that that necessarily means anything in particular, but it uh, seems like he would have been much, much wiser to be biblically accurate than to uh, use it for political purposes. That's right. Uh, that's right. And and I think that, you know, at a time when so many people are are already concerned uh, and l- let's face it, there are some 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 real issues here. I mean, uh, as we've talked about on your show before, you have social media companies that are, are actively censoring uh, individuals or platforms like the Heritage Foundation and Daily Signal when when they don't comply with the hate speech policies by using their preferred, you know, gender uh, terminology and pronouns. And so it's not an issue to joke about. And you're absolutely right that Mm -hmm. we should have known better. Yeah. So interesting day in the state of Georgia. That's for sure. We probably won't know much tonight, will we? Well, probably not. If, uh, if the, if the, uh, um, presidential race uh, gave us any indication, which took a number of weeks to figure out in Georgia. So uh, two Senate races. uh, Georgia is unique uh, among states uh, that it it has a runoff. So if you don't get 50 percent of the vote, 50 percent plus one on Election Day, you go to a runoff against the second place uh, contestant. And so you have a situation where the two Republican incumbents are facing Democrat challengers. Um, you know, it's really hard to say how this is going to play out, Bill, because, uh, you know, in some cases you might say that the Republicans are energized because uh, Biden will be taking office on January 20th. And then you have Democrats who might be energized because they see it as an opportunity to maybe break through some of the gridlock in Washington. So we'll be keeping a close eye on it, as we will tomorrow. There's going to be some theatrics in the U.S. Congress uh, when when they count the electoral votes. So lots happening over mm-hmm. the next 40, 24, 48 hours. All right, Rob, thank you so much for being on the program today. Look forward to uh, talking to you next week. Have a great day. Thanks, Bill. You, you too. Bet. Rob Louie's been my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal, at dailysignal.com. After a short break, I'll be back with Dr. Greg Borgon. It's the afternoon show with Bill Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the afternoon show with 
Welcome back to the show. So glad to have Dr. Greg Borgon back on the program. I didn't even know if I would talk to him today, but he uh, was fast acting and always ready to get and be on the show at a moment's notice. I was uh, not exactly telling him exactly when he was going to be on, but boy, he jumped into action and boy, am I grateful. He is a professor. He is a author. He's written many books, uh, Rattling of Sabres, Papa's Blessing, Setting Your Course, and his most recent is Leadership Beef Jerky. He's the founder of Heart of a Warrior Ministries. You go to heartofawarrior.org to see his good-looking picture and learn more about his ministry. Greg, welcome. It's good to be with you again, Bill. Yeah, I've had a crazy day. It started with me uh, getting stuck in traffic for an hour and 52 minutes getting to work today because a monster semi had tipped over on the highway, and there were like several cranes and emergency vehicles, and it was literally stopped traffic, and there's nowhere to go. (laughs) One hour and 52 minutes? One hour and 52 minutes to get to work normally takes me 25 minutes, so yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. But I, I was been excited about talking uh, just as we start our new year and just to make sure that uh, we are just being discipled, we're growing in our faith, we're confident uh, in our walk, and, and it's just a good time to say that true faith in Christ will always lead to a changed life, won't it? Yes, it will. You know, as I was reading and preparing for our time together, I, I came across this comment by a an observer, and it seems a little harsh, but I, I really do agree with him. Here's, here's what he said. He said, it's not, all, uh, not at all uncommon to hear about or meet people that make a profession of being born again, but their lives are no different from those in the world. They've never turned from the sin that characterized their lives before they professed to be born again. In their morals, in their marriages, in the way they raise their children, in their materialistic lifestyles, and in the way they spend hours every week watching the filth on TV or in movies, they're no different than the rest of our pagan country, he says. And yet they claim to be born-again Christians. He concludes by saying, are people who have prayed to receive Christ who, or who claim to be born again, but whose lives are no different than they were before truly converted? I believe he says that the Bible answers that question question with a loud no. Those who are truly converted to faith in Jesus Christ are marked by what the Bible calls repentance. So, you know, as we address this subject about true faith in Christ will always lead to a changed life, it, it does begin with repentance. This changed life begins with true repentance. The word repentance and its variants are found 1,050 times in the Old Testament, over 60 times in the New Testament. So repentance is called for throughout the Bible. It's a summons to a personal, absolute, and ultimate unconditional surrender to God through Christ. If we're going to have a changed life, it begins with repentance. Though it includes sorrow and regret, it's more than that. One makes a complete change of direction, 180 degrees towards God, a turning from independence from God to a dependence on God. So repentance doesn't mean we become sinless. It means we sin less. That's pretty profound, wouldn't you say, Bill? Mm-hmm. So John MacArthur sums up uh, a chapter on repentance by saying this. He says, repentance has always been the foundation of the biblical call to salvation. No evangelism that omits the message of repentance can properly be called the gospel. For sinners cannot come to Jesus Christ apart from a radical change of heart, mind, and will. 
that demands a spiritual crisis leading to a complete turnaround and ultimately a wholesale transformation. It's the only kind of conversion Scripture recognizes, he concludes. So Scripture is clear about the need for repentance. I'd just like to cover a few verses about this. It kind of set the stage for what will follow, Bill, if that's okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Acts 2.38, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 17, verse 30, we read, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Matthew 3, 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So in other words, our lives must show the fruit of being truly repentant, which is a requirement of conversion. Romans 2, 4 and 5, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? That particular verse was what went through my mind when I dropped to my knees in 1973, in front of my daughter's crib and gave my heart, body, and soul to Christ, Bill. That's an important verse for me, mm-hmm. because his gift of our daughter, because we had experienced several miscarriages, and she was the only child we could have, was a real gift from God. And so I recognized at that point that um, I needed to repent and receive him as my Savior and Lord. The final verse, Luke 13, 3, says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So, This isn't really dependent on human effort alone. When we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit who begins God's work of sanctification in our lives. It progresses as we grow in Christ, and it culminates in final and complete sanctification when we go to heaven. Now, that's a theological term that probably needs uh, defining. Sanctification is separation of the believer from evil and is a result of obedience to the Word of God. So sanctification is really a three-stage process. It's past, present, and future. The first stage occurs at the beginning of our Christian lives. It's an initial moral change, a break from the power of uh, and love of sin. uh, It is the point at which believers can count themselves dead to sin but alive to God, according to Romans 6.11. One sanctification, once it's begun, we're no longer under sin's dominion, according to Romans 6.14. There's a reorientation of desires, and we develop a love of righteousness. Paul calls it slavery to righteousness, Romans 6, 17, and 18. The second stage is what we do as we're living here on earth. The second stage of sanctification requires a lifetime, really, to, to, to complete. As we grow in grace, we're gradually but steadily changing to be more like Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians three eighteen. This occurs in a process of daily spiritual renewal, which brings about the change we're talking about in Colossians mm-hmm. 3.10. The Apostle Paul himself was being sanctified even as he ministered to others. Paul claimed that he had not reached perfection, but that he pressed on to attain everything Christ uh, really desired for him, Philippians 3.12. So the third and final stage of sanctification, uh, sanctification occurs in the future. When believers die, their spirits go to be with Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. Since nothing unclean can enter heaven, Revelation 21, 27, we must be made perfect at that point. So the sanctification of the whole person, body, soul, and spirit will finally be complete when the Lord Jesus returns and we receive our glorified bodies. Um, So at the moment of conversion, though, several things happen instantaneously that sets us up to facilitate change in our life by the empowerment of the Spirit. 
One is called justification, which is just as if we've never sinned, we're declared righteous. Another that happens instantaneously, Bill, is redemption, we're redeemed. Another is reconciliation, we're reconciled to the Father, our relationship is restored. And also, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee of our salvation. We're regenerated, and I'll explain what we mean by that a little bit later. And then we're adopted into the family of God. We're given kingdom citizenship, it says in Scripture. And we're also given the seed of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That has to be nurtured so it becomes full flower or produces 30, 60, or 100-fold in our lives, which is evidence, again, of faith in Christ. It's that changed life. So conversion happens when we trade our old nature for the new nature that Christ provides. One scholar put it this way. He said, when we admit our helplessness apart from Christ, we're ready to embrace him as Savior and Lord. Conversion happens when we trade our old sinful nature for the new nature Christ provides. When we come to him humbly, confess our sin, turn away from it, and seek his ways, our entire perspective changes. The Holy Spirit moves into our spirits and transforms our entire way of life. We're converted, restored to the relationship that God intended uh, us to have with him. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, If any man be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. This is more than human attempt to clean up your act. It's a wholesome change of direction. You were going east, now you're going west. Hmm. Conver- conversion changes the human heart from sinful to righteous, from hell-bound to heaven-bound. Okay. So, Greg, I just have to say this is all tremendously good news. <laughs> yeah, it is. This it's is exciting, and it's great news. And it's great to be reminded, if, you are, if, you are, if you're born again, adopted into the family of God, and you've given your life to Christ, this is all things that have happened instantaneously at your conversion and now is being made manifest in your life every day as you are growing in your faith. Yeah, progressively or incrementally mm-hmm. yeah. As, as you grow in Christ, in Christ-likeness, actually. So conversion begins in the heart, and it radiates outward to affect everything we think, say, and do. Merely stating that conversion has occurred doesn't make it so, really. Uh, real conversion is obvious as a person uh, for instance, has been converted from a sin-filled to a God-honoring life. So Scripture also tells us we're giving everything we need to live a life of godliness. So we're not alone, Bill, in this process. It's not a matter of, of intent or of will. It's a partnership that we submit in obedience to Jesus Christ and His Word and the Holy Spirit begins to make those changes. And some of those changes are happening without us even thinking about them. They're, they're taking place gradually. So James, um, he's clear that our faith should produce observable change. In James two fourteen through 26, and I'm just summarizing a couple of those, these verses in that passage, Bill, that relates to what we're talking about. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And he's not saying that 
it's a work for your salvation. He's saying that God works in you, and there'll be evidence in what you do. It'll be observable. People will be able to see the change in your life. Oftentimes, it happens so subtly, Bill, that others observe it in us before we see it in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when we see those things changing, when we see our perspective and our attitude and our response to what we used to just kind of wink at in our life, the sin in our life, it becomes more dramatic, it becomes more bold, it becomes more obvious to us. That's the work of the Spirit in us. That's, again, proof that we're really saved, that our faith um, is producing change in our life. Um, My wife is fond of saying, you can't backslide if you first have been front slid. (laughs) 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 So what she means by that is that, you know, people who come to Christ and they're still living a backslidden life, if they have given no evidence initially that they front slid, they can't backslide because it isn't there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a pretty profound statement for my wife. Would you agree? I would agree for sure. Now, I know this can be a a little bit of a delicate subject, so I want to be very careful and very kind and loving. But if you have just agreed to a certain, uh, you've given your yes to a certain level of facts of Scripture, but you haven't had your heart changed uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe you were just agreeing to certain uh, facts in Scripture, but you haven't had your your heart transformed. So Yeah, that's that's exactly right, Bill. I'm having a hard time seeing this. I don't know why. Maybe because I was stuck well, in traffic me, for an hour and 52 minutes. <laughs> well, you know, some people believe that repentance is a change of mind. It's much more than that. It's a change of lifestyle. Right. It's a change of behavior. It's a change of, as you pointed out, a change of the heart. Uh, your beliefs, your values, your attitudes, and your motives become aligned with the heart of God, that's going to manifest itself in overt behavior that's going to bring glory and honor to the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle in that journey, that there'll be times when we backslide, so to speak, or that we give in to the sin that so easily plagues us, as the Scripture says. But true repentance and true salvation in a changed life recognizes it as such, asks for God's forgiveness, gets back on the road. Um, You know, the only time you're guaranteed 100% accuracy is when you aim at nothing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, Did your wife write that line, too? No, no, she didn't write that line. (laughs) I did. (laughs) (laughs) So the the point is, though, that um, you've got to recognize that there's change that need to be made, but it's not all about your own effort. It's kind of like a two rails on uh, that a train travels on. You can derail the train. You're one rail and God in the spirit is the other rail. The train won't derail. Mm hmm. Because you're moving along, so that's what it means to partner with. That's actually what the Scripture means when it says to work out your salvation. Mm-hmm. It's talking about partnering with God to bring about, through obedience and submission, the changes that are needed in your life. And after a person receives Christ initially, it's usually the biggest and the obvious things that become apparent that need to change. And, and with God's grace, those things begin to be changed. But as you grow in Christ, they become more subtle. God deals with issues of the heart. God deals with your attitude. God deals with your perspective. God deals with how you're responding to life. And we're still struggling with what the Bible calls the flesh, which is the habits and the patterns of that we lived prior to coming to Christ. 
the bondage is broken because it was broken at the cross. We're no longer underneath its power, but we're still operating as if it is. it still has power in our life. This is what the Bible calls the flesh. This is what we struggle against, and this is what needs to be sanctified. This is what needs to change over time, and mm-hmm. by God's grace, it will. All right, Greg, let me take a short break. Doc, uh, Dr. Greg Borgon is my guest, and we are uh, talking about true faith in Christ, and it will always lead to a changed life. After a short break, we'll be right back. Dr. Greg Borgon is my guest, and we're talking about true faith in Christ. Always a changed life. And I'm looking at uh, 2 Peter 1.3, Greg, and it says, we are given everything we need to live a life of godliness. Another yeah, piece of, so another piece of good news. We're without excuse. Yeah, it is good news. And so, but the, the downside of that is we're without excuse. <laughs> if we're given everything we need and we don't appropriate it, uh, then whose fault is that? You're right. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, let me continue by simply saying that the change that we're talking about, Bill, it may happen dramatically as it did when Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. But more often than not, it happens gradually as we're being changed into Christ's likeness over time. Second Corinthians 3.18 says that with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of God, we're being changed into his likeness from one degree to another, and that comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. One degree to another means incrementally, sometimes even unconsciously, the change is taking place. So that's what 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us. But change will happen uh, um, when someone is truly converted. So when we are converted and change starts to take place, it's based on the following facts, that there are a lot of new things that happen for the Christian according to Scripture. Now, Solomon in Ecclesiastes was fond of saying there's nothing new under the sun. Now, what he really meant by that is that if we live our life on a horizontal plane, devoid of any vertical relationship with our Creator, everything we turn to will be meaningless. There will be nothing new under the sun if we live that way. But as a follower of Christ, we're told in Scripture that we're given a new heart. We're given a new creation, a new life, a new nature, a new relationship with God, a new self, a new spirit, a new citizenship, a new future, a new attitude, a new worldview, actually a a new allegiance. All of that is new for us. And so that's what's different between what we were before we came to Christ and who we are now if we truly have received Jesus. And as you've heard me say in the past, it doesn't say in Scripture to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, because who's accepting whom? Mm -hmm. It says to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, because it's not something that we earn. It's something that's given to us as a gift, and all we have to do is to receive it. So I guess the question that's raised at this point, Bill, is, how does a Christian facilitate this kind of change in their life? What part do we play? So the first thing is obedience. 
what I tell men all the time when I, I work with them under Heart of a Warrior Ministries, I tell them that obedience will always produce strength and disobedience will always produce weakness. If you're feeling weak or impotent, there may be some unconfessed sin in your life. We may have lapsed back into the pattern of our lifestyle before we came to Christ. We may be hanging around with the wrong people. I tell my grandsons all the time, you, you, you are who you hang around with, or you will become who you hang around with. So you have to choose your friends carefully. So obedience is important. Submission. Submission has to do with acknowledging where you're wrong, that you don't measure up to God's standard. And by God's grace, you want to move in, in, in that direction. So you submit to be incorrected. You first of all submit to teaching, it says in 2 Timothy. You have to be open to be rebuked. You have to be open for correction. And only after that takes place are you ready to be trained in righteousness, according to 2 Corinthians 3.16. Prayer is a tremendous uh, gift given to us to help facilitate those changes. When we pray, we're changing our attitude about the matters that are before us. Even though they may be overwhelming, we recognize that God can intercede on our behalf and bring about the change that's needed. Or he may tell us no, or he may tell us to wait. But prayer as a way of effecting change in our life, praying through the Psalms, turning them into the first person, and praying the Psalms as if you're, you wrote that Psalm. Is, is a way of praying. We pray sometimes without words, by just acknowledging God's presence and His awareness in our life, even in the midst of turmoil and difficulty. Another is Bible study and reading the Word of God, not just to master its content, but so the content masters us, mm-hmm. which means you move from not just hearing and reading, which, you know, if all we do is hear the Word and read the Word, we may retain only about 15 to 20 percent at the most. But when we study, meditate, and memorize, that's where true fundamental change takes place. That's when it becomes internalized. So we have to go beyond just hearing the Word and reading the Word. We have to really study the Word through studying it and meditating on it and memorizing it. Worship is another way in which we can facilitate change. It isn't just a matter of being there on Sunday or Saturday evening. It's a matter of personal worship, private worship, as well as public worship. Um, when we acknowledge and we give the adoration that God deserves as our creator. And another way in which change can be facilitated is fellowshipping with other believers, Mm -hmm. spending time with them. That's why we gather together in a public place or even privately with other Christians, because that fellowship uh, will be God's chiseling tool to shape us into the image of his son. So in order for a Christian to grow spiritually, the soil needs to be cultivated. You've got to make sure that what you're planting is, is the, the soil's already been prepared for it. Um, the seeds need to be planted, which we get those seeds from the Word of God. The fertilizer needs to be applied, which provides the nourishment we need, which is the Word again. Pruning needs to happen. We need to cut away the dead branches in our life and release them, just throw them into the fire pit. And we need the water of the Word, which is needed. Uh, and finally, we need to be basking in God's light. That needs to happen as well. So that's how we provide the soil and the nutrients necessary for not only spiritual growth, but for facilitating change in our life. Mm-hmm. Greg, that's just uh, been a wonderful refresher course uh, about 
who we are in Christ and and what is what scripture says happens to us when we become born again. So thank you so yeah. much for taking the time to do this as we get 2021 oh, underway. Really nice to chat <laughs> with you again. Uh, it's good to talk to you. All too, right. Bill. Thank you so much, Dr. Greg Borgon has been my guest. Go to Heart of a Warrior. to learn more about Greg. We'll take a short break. When we come back, hour two is just ahead, and we're going to spend it with Jeff Verdorn. Excited to talk to him. We're going to talk about the judgment seat and the Bama seat. It's going to be a great hour. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.